Hey guys, and welcome to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast. I'm Alex Fasulo, your host, six-figure freelance writer, serial entrepreneur, Fiverr Pro seller, and digital nomad. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about working for yourself online as a freelancer today. I've been freelancing for over six years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hi guys, welcome back to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast where we chat all things remote work, financial freedom, mindset, and freelancing. This week, I'm super excited to welcome on my virtual friend, Omar. Maybe one day we will be in-person friends. He is a digital nomad. Maybe we will cross paths. Omar, I believe you were the one who gave me the idea in the first place to even start podcasting. So everyone listening to this, you actually can thank Omar for that if you've been enjoying my podcast. As the owner of the Nomads Cast, a podcast generation and content marketing company that helps brands launch podcasts. Omar is a successful entrepreneur, digital nomad, and digital marketer who helps businesses around the world attract leads into their business. You'll love to see it. He is also the host of the Nomadic Executive Podcast, where they cover online business, remote work, and digital nomading. Which Alex has been a guest on. (laughs) Yeah. Omar, welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Alex. Of course. All right. I feel like you're a man of many talents, but we'll bring it back to the beginning here. Because a lot of people who listen to my podcast, they just like to know, when did you know you wanted to work for yourself? And what was what did that process look like? Was it messy arriving to entrepreneuring? To be honest, uh, God, I wish I was like, I always wish I had some glamour story of like selling candy in school or (laughs) some entrepreneurship charade. Maybe like I, I don't know, flipped a house or something, something cool like that back when I was a kid. But it was was never like that. You know, it was I went to school. I did the whole nine yards. I went to college and I got a geology degree and I realized there's only so much you can talk about a rock before you get bored out of your mind. So (laughs) I finished up college and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go travel. And I dipped out one way ticket. I had a big boy job for like six months. And at the end of those six months, I was so bored that I just booked my one way ticket like three weeks prior and I left for Australia. I traveled around quite a bit, but I was still like, I think a lot of people when they travel, they're coming from this lens of trying to find themselves or something super Mm -hmm. cliche like that. And I was no different, right? I wanted to find out what I really wanted to do. I know I needed something that was challenging and different, something that actually stimulates me instead of being in a nine to five stuck stuck there all day. Yeah. So I, I started traveling and stuff and eventually... I actually found Fiverr. That was the first thing that I found. That's so right? funny. Yeah, so it, it ties into all, all everything that you yeah. do here. And I didn't know what to do on Fiverr. I've never done any sort of entrepreneurship or my own thing even. I just knew like the whole nine to five path. So I had some jobs that I was taking up in Australia. And eventually I was like, you know what? Like this is still me doing what I was doing at home, mm-hmm. but just crappier jobs. I don't know if I can cuss on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so shittier jobs, but but kind of similar to what I was doing at home. And looked up Fiverr, and I put up a few gigs, right? And it was all writing gigs because writing is something that I feel like I'm decent at, right? Mm -hmm. I I write poetry and things like that. So I put up some writing gigs, and one of my first gigs was some college kids' research essay that I just didn't want to work on. I'm really good at putting together words that don't make sense half the time, but still work really, really well together. And I I wrote this kid's essay on business for like a a page and a half. And that's really what kind of opened up my mind to just the thought of business, right? I only got like three more gigs after that. And I honestly just gave up on Fiverr. 
But somewhere along that road, I realized that I really wanted to start an online business. And it was more for a means to an end rather yeah. than the foray of entrepreneurship itself. Because on that trip, I realized I want to travel for the rest of my life. Yeah. So online business naturally seemed the way to do it. Started my own business about two and a half years ago and have not turned back. And it's just really, really grown and done really well. I love how you have Fiverr in in part of your come up to working for yourself like I do too. That's so funny. Same thing happened to me right when I started to travel when I was 21. I thought like, oh, I'm going to get this out of my system. And it's actually only just gotten exponentially worse as I get older. I just want to travel constantly. It's a mix, isn't it? And I see, I I remember seeing a post on your Instagram recently that I really resonated with. It was something to do with how you realizing that you want to take back more of your time for yourself rather than focusing so much on entrepreneurship and stuff. Mm -hmm. I I really relate to that too. You know, I think it's really easy to get lost in the sauce, quote unquote. And sometimes you got to realize why you started the whole thing in the first place. Absolutely. I know that that's that's like very much where I find myself right now with everything. It's kind of just been a blur for seven years. It's been an amazing blur. Right. But I'm, I'm almost at a point now where I actually have people who run my business for me, which is crazy, right? That's successful in a way. But then I'm almost now sitting here going, oh my gosh, like for seven years, I almost forgot why I, I ever did this in the first place. I like to write poetry too, you know? So I was just yeah. like, Sometimes you have to just pause and take a step back. So otherwise it could swallow you whole because, you know, there's blurred lines. I don't know if if you ever do struggle with, you know, professional and personal as far as being an entrepreneur goes. Do they blur a lot for you? They do. They do. Especially in the early beginnings. Like when I was first starting, I became a workaholic. Right. I have this really I have this thing about me that I get super obsessive about anything that I start. And I tend to like dive in and put all my hours into that and everything else goes out the window, including my health and family. (laughs) So I get super deep into it and the moment, but then there's also the flip side of that where I notice it becomes really easy for me to conquer something. And once I've conquered it, I tend to lose interest a lot. And I guess the psychological, it really applies Mm -hmm. to everything in life. And I tend to lose interest a lot. And then I see these like bouts of ups and downs of like me really being deep into business and then me just fucking off and doing something else, traveling or enjoying myself, right? These days, I think to have this quote unquote work-life balance thing insinuates the fact that you hate your job. And that you're trying to juggle two things, one thing that you hate and one thing that you like. Mm -hmm. And it's now more. And I think this is the most this is probably the best part of entrepreneurship, especially online. Right. You work on your own terms when you want to work. And it's especially better if you're working towards something or trying to create something. So work life balance, I think I have it down if that's the term that you can apply to this. But yeah, it's really just a matter of, okay, wow, I got this goal that I really want to hit. So this week, I'm going to put in like 60 hours next week, I'll put in four. And and that's just how I feel like doing it this week. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, with entrepreneuring or in general, that it's almost seasons, right? Instead of like, oh, I, I need to set aside this amount today and this amount tomorrow, and I need to sleep now. It's seasons of, you're really, really into something. You're going to work 60 hours a week. You don't want to sleep because you're so obsessed with it. And then the next month you might not work at all. Like you might just be totally done. And it's like very, it's a very seasoned based thing. And I find people who don't work for themselves when I try and explain that to them, they look at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) They're like, what are you talking about? I live for the weekends. And I'm like, I did this in the first place because I don't want to live for the weekends. I want to live for every day I wake up. And I, I know you're doing that as a digital nomad. So where where have your travels taken you to recently? 
I've been uh, moving around quite a bit actually lately. I'm in that season of wanting to travel a little bit more. Well, okay. actually, I just finished that season. So I'm going to keep my head low until March for now. But damn, I was in Paris two weeks ago. Nice. That was really, really cool. And actually, for anybody that's listening right now, if they want to go to Paris, I think flights are still really, really cheap. <laughs> yeah. After, like a 350 round trip. It was dope. Wow. Yeah. I was in Mexico for about a month and a half. I was in Wisconsin for a week. I met an old German friend there that I knew in Australia. Oh. That was a great weekend. But yeah, those are the last three places that I went. I love that. Yeah. So random. Like, it's, it's such a good collection. <laughs> yeah. You had your trip recently, too, right? Across the States. Yeah, I've I've been all over the places here domestically, right? Because I, I have, like, I, I don't know about you. Have you let COVID slow you down from international travel? Because I, I guess I have, like, a weird paranoia that... I'm going to produce a positive COVID test and get stuck somewhere for like two months. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a funny story. So when we booked the tickets to France, it was my friend and I, literally two days after we booked it, France required everybody to get a vaccine. Yeah. And I wanted to stay away from the vaccine as long as possible. Just, uh, I'm not like anti-vax or anything like that. I just no. slightly yeah. paranoid about growing a third arm, but uh, I got that's the vaccine. And what happened was on the way back, that week was very, very eventful. But on the way back, we had a flight on Wednesday. And when we got to the airport, we didn't realize that America requires everybody to get a COVID test, even, yeah. if, you, if, you, even if you have the vaccine. So mm -hmm. we rushed through the COVID tests and stuff. I remember listening to this lady in the line who was also American. And the woman comes out after getting her tested and she says, I'm sorry, you have COVID. And like, she, she couldn't even believe it. Like her entire vibe dropped. And I'm, I'm looking at this poor lady. I'm like, oh man, like she's going to have to quarantine now here for two yeah. weeks and all sorts of shit. Right. But we got lucky, got positive tests, but missed our flight. Luckily the French are great. They booked us on a flight the next day for free, which is awesome. But there is so many different hoops that you have to jump through right now. It's really, yeah. it can get frustrating, you know, but yeah, I'm not going to let it slow me down. There you go. Yeah. I know there's countries, I think it's like Canada, if you get if you get stuck there because of your COVID test at the airport, they make you pay for each day that you're stuck. I know there's some countries where it's like they're not COVID friendly if you get stuck there, but I, I don't think that's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I but, personally think it sucks, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's every country to the to their own, right? Exactly. All right. So we'll we'll dive in now to I wanted to ask you first about just your thoughts on podcasting in general. It's been around for a while now. I don't know what five, six, seven years, Sure. probably longer, but I feel like it's been mainstream for at least five years. Do you think podcasting has hit its peak or do you think it's like far, far away from hitting its potential for businesses and brands? Mm, you know, that's an interesting question. I know we've definitely not hit our peak. Mm. And but I'm not going to be like the blind optimist just because I have a business in podcasting. Right. Yeah. And this is going to kind of sound new agey, but there's this whole talk of the metaverse. Right. NFTs yeah. And all these different things happening and they're going to happen within the next 10 years or so. Like there's probably going to be virtual reality, AR, everything all around us. Social media mm -hmm. might not exist in its current form 10 years from now. Podcasting's already been around for 20 years. And if we haven't reached our peak yet. That's pretty slow growth, if you think about it. Facebook, yeah. Instagram, all these different platforms reach their peak within like two to three years of coming out. So 
with that being said, I think by the time the metaverse comes around and stuff, podcasting might be, well, it's definitely going to be a lot better than it is now, but I think podcasting is going to be in different formats. Like you're already seeing this with drop-in audio, for example, Clubhouse and Fireside, all that stuff. I think that there's going to be like maybe visual podcasts or AR podcasts and things like that. So the audio content and video, audio, video content at scale just like this is never going to go away. Mm-hmm. But what we think of as podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, etc., I think is going to change format down the road. So you think it's going to get absorbed by the metaverse and become almost like a virtual experience more so than like a 2D audio one? Exactly, because everything's going towards immersion, right? Yeah. Soon, like I listened to this podcast the other day, in fact, where they were talking about how in the future you're going to be able to go shopping and you'll kind of be in the metaverse and you'll be looking at different clothing items and you can try one on and there'll be someone there next to you that you don't even know who they are and they're shopping there too and you just ask them, hey, how do I look in these clothes? It's crazy the direction it's yeah. going. Really, it's not even fathomable for me at this point. No. But it's the way the world is going, and it just makes me think what podcasting is going to happen to. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the same way. Like you got to be pragmatic, right? Like accept yeah. what's coming and not push it off. But at the same time, I mean, how do you feel about this whole metaverse thing? I, you know, Preach I can't help. There's like. There's a side of me that's like, it's coming whether we like it or not. So we might as well as marketers embrace it and do what we can with it. But it, is it ultimately a good thing for humanity? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think it is at all, personally. <laughs> no. I'm very, I'm a very sensory type of person. I like touching yeah. things and feeling things and smelling things. And the metaverse won't give me that kick. No. So it's either everyone's going to turn like super awkward and be indoors all day. Just yeah. like how COVID was and everyone was so awkward after they came out, right? Like yeah. I'm sure you went out or something people forgot how to socialize. Like everyone yeah. was so awkward. I hope it's not like that times 10. What I'm hoping now, like I, I thought of this idea actually, and, and you can tell me what you think about it. This, okay. Cause I love thinking about like entrepreneurship ideas. So metaverse is coming out and there's going to be like immersive experiences and stuff. Yeah. Right. And I like going out and I like going out with friends and, and getting into shit. So what if there was like a way to combine a metaverse and a nightclub together? Whereas like someone comes into the nightclub and they wear these glasses and the nightclub becomes like this 3D immersive experience uh, where everything is really fine tuned to stimulate people at all times, but in different ways than flashing lights and loud music constantly. So, okay. I, my brain struggles with metaverse stuff. So people would be at home and they put on a pair of glasses and it would transport them into a nightclub essentially but not at home they would actually walk into a building just like you would with a nightclub except at the beginning of the building the entrance either you bring your own glasses or they give you a pair of glasses and then all of a sudden you're like in this immersive 3d environment okay in a nightclub building next to other warm bodies okay so you're all in this space that doesn't necessarily look like a nightclub but it does once you put the glasses on precisely Interesting. And maybe a DJ there too and stuff and food and things like that. Alcohol would obviously be there. Mm. I don't think you can drink in the metaverse. But yeah, so, so like some immersive experience like that, right? Because why does immersion have to be or why does a metaverse necessarily have to isolate people? It could bring people together too. Similar to a mm. silent disco, for example. You know what those are? Yeah, I've been to one. Yeah, so like kind of everyone in this room and if you take your headphones off, There's everyone's no like yet. awkwardly shuffling around, right? But yeah. the moment you put your headphones on, everyone's immersed in this little experience together. 
Yeah, I'm, I don't know, you know, I mean, I could see where people would be into that. I think it'd make it very easy to do pop-up events, pop-up marketing, DJ, you know, all that stuff. I think that would be great for quick, like, hey guys, you know, come here at 8 p.m. for this okay. event. I, I think that would be cool because it would still involve people being physically together in a space and not sitting in a chair in the dark, you know, all exactly. alone at their house, which that's the creepy part of it to me. That is to Isolation. me too. It really is. The isolation, it yeah. Freaks me out. I hope it doesn't end up that way. I know. I just, I don't, I don't think the people behind Facebook have our best interests at heart. I think they're just testing out some big alien experiment that they think is cool. And we're all the, the, the test subjects. <laughs> and Mark Zuckerberg becomes God in this like oh. weird forsaken, like alienated oh. land. That'd be great. Oh, I'm sure he has a shrine to himself in his house. Like, I'm sure he <laughs> worships himself at a shrine he made for himself in his house. Uh, I can see that. <laughs> like, without a doubt. <laughs> He's the most awkward dude alive, I think. But <laughs> Oh, my God. Do you see all the, like... The memes. <laughs> yeah, the memes of people saying he isn't human, and they, like, yeah. show... They God, say he's like a reptilian or something, and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> he's such a weird. My favorite video of him, and I'm sure you've seen this, is like where he's like outside smoking brisket. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, that one always cracks me up. Oh man, I'm like, I just always want to know because he has like a wife. I'm like, how does how does she allow him to cut his hair like that? Like, can somebody just mm -hmm. step in and be like, Mark, don't do it this time. Don't do it. Right. I, I don't know who's allowing it. <laughs> They need an Alex to come in and kind of put, put the hammer down, you know what I mean? I guess. Yeah. I guess. No. That's super interesting, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's so many changes are going to just keep happening so fast. I, I almost think that's one of the reasons why people don't get into inter internet entrepreneuring like we have today because of the, the knowledge barrier to entry of how quickly this stuff changes and, and moves and whatever. So, you know, what, what would you say to someone who's sitting here going... Oh, I want to I want to use a podcast, but it all changes so fast. I just can't keep up with it. You know, what would you say to them? It's funny, like whenever I talk about this kind of stuff, my clients, I feel like are a lot better at it than I am. Right. Mm. And I think you you're like one of the best content creators out there. You're constantly pushing out content, right? I'm crazy. Yeah, you're insane with it. For, for, on my end, what I would think is take it in baby steps and overwhelm yourself. And pick one platform to start, right? I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure when you first started, you weren't on like all seven, eight platforms no. at once. Oh, God, I, no. I, the reason I like podcasts personally and the reason that I made such a solid business out of it is because it can feed into every other platform. Mm. So what's really cool about it is that it's just audio and video content at scale, right? Mm -hmm. And it, imagine the time it would take you to make 60 TikToks. And I know you're really good with it now. You're probably, you don't even think about it now. You just turn the camera on, say something, and then shoot it yeah. next. But like 95% of people, when they turn the camera on, they probably thought of this TikTok idea, probably re-record like 10 times before they put it out, right? Yeah. So for the average person, 60 TikToks would take about three days maybe, right? 48 yeah. hours at least. With the podcast, you just have audio and video content at scale that you're making with another human being that you're just vibing with, and it's 60 minutes of this audio and video content. Then you can cut it up and repurpose it for so many different platforms mm -hmm. in so many different ways that you don't have to think twice about wanting to create a TikTok or an Instagram reel or something like that because you already yeah. have this audio and video content, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I like podcasts. So I personally tell people if they're going to start creating content, their first piece of content 
or the first platform they should foray into is a podcast because not only the content strategy side, but also I met some incredible people. Mm-hmm. I built some amazing business relationships. Yeah. Uh, my podcast alone probably accounts for about six figures worth of money made just over the past year. The podcast alone. There's mm-hmm. a lot of great that com- things that come out of it. This is my first season I'm having guests on, and I went kind of nuts. I think you're like my 20th guest in a month or something, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize what a good networking tool it is. Because then I, you end up befriending the people you have on. I already have known you, of course, but I've had some people that I didn't know. And then we kind of get off the podcast and we're like talking about all these businesses that like we want to run together. Nice. And I'm like, that's a side of podcasting I feel like people should talk about more. It's like the best networking tool available to you today. 100%. I mean, it, it's so fruitful too, right? And yeah. on top of that, like even if you have like a very, very minor following, you'll still have people reach out to you mm-hmm. that want to either do business with you because they listen to you for like 45 minutes or not just advice from you and stuff. And that kind of stuff feels really, really good too. Yeah. Yeah. You've spoken to me in the past about, so you, so you connected me with my email marketing guy who, who I'm still using by the way. So thank you for that. I get him business now too. I love, I love Julia's. You have spoken to me in the past about automating, right? Automating parts of the business. That's what you got to do. That's the name of the game to scale up. How much of your business empire, however big it is, how much of it would you say is automated today? Geez, probably like 90%. Really? Yeah. I haven't automated the sales part yet. Like I haven't hired a sales team for my business because I've got a new platform coming out in about launch dates, probably in about a month, a month and a half. And that's going to be really, really automated to a point where I'm probably not going to even have to step in. Everything's going to just be taken care of. But the current iteration of my business I have somebody that manages the day-to-day. I have someone that does all the fulfillment. I have someone who hires people. So all that's taken care of, and it's kind of scaling itself. The only thing that I do these days is kind of step into sales calls once in a while because I think as a business owner, you should always be your sales best salesperson mm-hmm. and work on building relationships and also middleman between the clients and my team once in a while. That's incredible. I think it's easier said than done because I've been working on automating stuff and it sounds to me, it, it sounds like, oh, so simple. I'm going to automate this, this and this, but it takes some time to set up those systems that run without you successfully. Right. What would be some tips you'd give someone who wants to automate 90% of their business? What's some stuff they should be on the lookout for? 100% write a lot of SOPs. Uh, if you don't have yeah. standard operating procedures in place, then your team's not going to know what to do when they need to do it. Mm-hmm. Have like a plan A, a plan B. If this happens, then do this or this. Mm-hmm. And have yourself as a point that's furthest away from ever wanting to be contacted. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the more you remove yourself from the business, the better it is. Now, like when I come into my business, it's to maybe have a game night with my team, you know, mm-hmm. something fun. So they see me as like the the cool, but kind of laid back boss. That's the angle that I'm going for. The one that's never there. They have people they can talk to before they talk to me. So you want to set that precedent in place and you can do that with really tight SOPs and focus a lot on delegation, right? So hire people for literally every role. But mm-hmm. obviously there's this balance between losing a lot of your profit versus hiring the right people. And this is where I think overseas employees come really in handy, but also having people wear multiple hats, you know? So that manager that I have for the day to day is also doubles as the HR person, right? 
So right now I have about 12 employees and the manager doubles as the HR person, the hiring manager doubles as a team lead, etc. And I've trained them on these different different scenarios and put, gave them a clear cut path on how they can get raises and all these things are completely written down. That's the first thing, write SOPs. Second thing, use automations where you can. So Zapier, IFTT, little things, even on Slack. Slack is phenomenal automation mm-hmm. sequences, right? Wherever you can set up some Airtable. I love Airtable as well. We'll set up some automation sequences to where even they ha- your employees give you daily reports and stuff on there. And then if the daily report, what I do is like I give them a one to 10 scale. And if it's a six or a below, then it alerts me where I can kind of step in and see stuff. But if it's always above a six, I don't even see it. Mm-hmm. Right. Little automations like that. So automate a lot of the things using the softwares. And what you can do is you don't have to learn it because as a business owner, your time is the most precious resource. So you can actually hire automation agencies to kind of just set this up for you once. And it, I think it's a phenomenal investment. Yeah. Right. And then number three, probably start if you if you're just foraying into automations, probably start by outsourcing to agencies until you can bring it in house. Like, for example, I have a friend named Phil that I do a second business with that's focused on LinkedIn automation and cold email for clients. Mm -hmm. And he found somebody recently in the SDR business, which basically you can pay them $2,500 a month. And not only will they book your calendar full of meetings, they'll also hop on sales calls on your behalf and close deals. Mm -hmm. And he guarantees like a 5% close rate. For someone literally just funneling people directly into my onboarding sequence, I'll gladly pay $2,500 a month. Yeah. I mean, so little things like that. There's agencies out there that that do phenomenal work. And then when you can bring it in-house, bring it in-house just so your margins can get better. Wow, there was a lot. Anyone listening, that was like invaluable info right there. I was going to ask, do you use Notion? I know Notion's becoming a very big tool that people are using in businesses today. Do you ever use that one? I've heard of Notion. I haven't touched it myself. Yeah. Uh, from what I heard, it's just like a giant notepad, right? It is, but it's it's made geniusly. It's like, so all the brands that have me do influencing for them, they're all using it now. And it's kind of crazy. It, it is like, it looks like a notepad. But it's actually, there's so many more functionalities to it. And it's kind of genius how much information you can organize in it for anybody under the sun that's in your network. It's actually on my to-do list to to notionize my entire business because I don't have anything like that yet, sadly. I'm working sure. on it. You're, you're reminding me right now, like, I love these podcasts because I, I come away from them, like, pumped up to go do something <laughs> where I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I needed to do. And Omar said it, so I'm going to go do it now. <laughs> Right. That's good. I'm glad you will help. I have to check out Notion in that case. Oh yeah, definitely go check it out. I think it's a pretty neat tool. I I enjoy it. I think it's a helpful tool for probably anyone. People listening now would probably wonder, okay, so how many hours a week do you work? And I know we have seasons, but but how many hours would you say in general you work per week? So when I work more, it's generally to scale my business at a faster rate. When I'm not working, my business is scaling at a slower rate. So on average, on my low seasons, I'm probably working like four hours a week. Yeah. Uh, aside from diving into new projects and stuff, right? That's the one thing. If I work like four hours a week, I'm on a, I'm on a low season and I'm not like constantly stimulated by travel or people mm-hmm. or something else, then I, I get bored. So I, I dive into other projects. So I have that new platform I mentioned. But on my high seasons, I'm probably putting in like 30 hours to 40 hours a week. Yeah. To, some, I'm a I'm a night person, so I tend to work at night instead of during the day too. 
But yeah, that's okay. that's on average. But honestly, I could probably work four hours a week for the rest of the year. My business would do just fine. You know, I love that. I was hoping you would say that because I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions we're taught in our schooling and everything is trading time for money. So people always would associate, oh, if I want to be rich, I have to work 80 hours a week. And, you know, there might be a time in your life, a week or two, where you do work 80 hours a week because your business needs you to. But for the most part, you can work 20 hours a week and achieve everything you ever thought was possible. And I love that you're the, like, 10th person I've had on here who's doing very well say, oh, I I work four hours a week. And I love when when people say that because I'm like, see, everything they told us was a lie. (laughs) Absolutely. And the, the more you get into this, the more you realize just how set up everything is. none of that shit is it's kind of a joke but yeah i'm really passionate about that so i won't dive into that too much no i am too we could get ourselves in trouble here on (laughs) on these topics (laughs) i'm literally trying to convince like all like my my nephews and like my friends kids or all these different people to not go to college and that that can get you in trouble because you know what i mean yeah. No, that's me. Like I, yeah, I, I was making a joke. So I gave out candy to kids two days ago, and I like dressed up as the freelance fairy, and I was like, "Oh, I'm handing out financial freedom and candy Don't to kids." Don't go to college. Don't yeah, go to college. Like, yeah, here's your Reese's. Don't go to college. It's a lie. The parent would probably be like, "Are you freaking kidding me? Can you uh, not?" <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really passionate about that topic. So I see so many of my friends don't have the opportunity to business dream like we do because their debt is so insane from the university that they went to and i'm like this is a modern day indentured some type of system here that needs to be called out and i will call it out because it's a lie it's all a scam and i everyone listening don't come for me i'm not talking about doctors and lawyers I'm, i'm talking about just the everyday person before someone someone always comes for me when i say that sure i mean there's always haters right yeah, it's always haters. Speaking of, do you get do you get any haters? I like keeping a lower profile. It's just yeah, the way you, that I am. Yeah. I, I like the anonymity. Like even my main Instagram is on private. Like I just I yeah. like being. I have that mysterious factor that always goes in. People always tell me that, and that's what I like. You know, I don't want to yeah. be all over social media or anything else because there's so many other ways to get business, right? Than having yeah. having a brand. So. I'm I'm envious of you right now because there's days when I'm like, is this worth it? The publicness that I have going, I don't know. I mean, as as long as you enjoy it, right? Like you seem like you're, you seem like I mean, you do it really well. First of all, right? And, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and second of all, you've inspired a lot of people, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that alone sometimes is enough for you to keep moving forward. Oh yeah. Yeah, think about how many lives you've changed, right? Like, I know I've mentioned you, I think I've definitely mentioned you in some of my past podcasts. I've mentioned, I've had friends that are like, oh, how do I start freelancing? And you're definitely one of the first resources I always point them towards. Yeah. Like, you've inspired a lot of people. And if your game is impact, and that's really what you enjoy, then I think you're doing a great job, Alex. Like, Oh, thank you. For, for me, yeah. I, I, I'm a bit more self-centered and selfish when it comes to things. <laughs> and I, I, I definitely like being anonymous and I like moving in and out of circles. And I just letting, like my charisma and my person as a, as a being led to the talking. And yeah. then that's the way that I, I like it, you know? No, that's cool. I mean, I think there's so many different ways to approach business, to approach making money, getting leads, marketing, sales, and... I like that people are right now are, are hearing a different perspective on it. Cause they'll always say to me, do I have to get on social media to make money as a freelancer? And I'm like, no, you actually only have to get on a Fiverr or an Upwork 
You don't need any social media. They're, they're their own little marketplaces, you know, with their own algorithms. You don't need you don't need to do anything else. And I think people see my social media and they get overwhelmed because they're like, oh, she's only successful because of her social. I'm like, no, the social's actually only been the last two years. You can do any business without the social. And I, I always want people to know that. Because I know it looks overwhelming. If you look at my Instagram, you probably go, what the hell's happening here? Yeah, definitely. I think if you find out your personal preference, if you like... Yeah being in the spotlight or if there's any advantages of it for you then do it i definitely i'm sure there are definitely leads coming from your your socials mm -hmm. your business into your coaching programs or whatever else you offer i'm sure 100 yeah. it makes it a lot easier too but it just kind of depends on what you want with your life mm -hmm. you know i mean and mine is traveling the world and being anonymous as i do it right so because like i know they're yeah. <laughs> Do you say that's a book title? Yeah, that's like a book title right there. Right. Yeah, or, or a TV that. show. I like it. Yeah, because I know for a fact that some of the things that I did were brought into the public eye. Maybe some people won't be completely happy with it, or I definitely get haters and stuff, and mm -hmm. I'd rather just not deal with it. Yeah. yeah. I'm envious of that some days. I'm not going to lie, because it's not, it's not great. No, I'm like... You saying that, like, I want to travel the world and do it while I'm anonymous. I'm like, oh, that would be such a good reality show or that would be such a good book series. We always want what we don't have. I think that's, that's really what it is. There are moments definitely where I've thought about what social media fame would be like, too. But, I mean, who am I to complain? I love my life. So. Yeah, that's awesome. For those listening who want to take their businesses on the road or digital nomad in some capacity, what would be your recommendations to them are, are tips to being a successful digital nomad. So is this somebody that already has a business and they want to take it on the road? Yeah. Let's say that maybe they've only been freelancing for two days and their big dream is to do it on the road. Sure. If you've only been freelancing for two days, you're just starting out and you want to shift that to doing it on the road, definitely make sure you have some money saved up before you do get on the road. Mm -hmm. That way you have something to fall back on because especially, and I, if I correct me if I'm wrong here, but Fiverr does take a little bit to start up. Yeah, right? they do. Yeah. That's first advice. Second, figure out what kind of traveling you want to do. As a business owner, I definitely suggest a slower path, which is like slow matting, quote unquote, at least staying at a place three months at a time. And that's simply because you can get like a routine, semblance of a routine. I like being in the gym, so yeah. I can find a gym at that time and kind of do it, have a good little routine going on each day that I can keep following. And then finally figure out where you want to go and, and just, just take the leap instead of keep pushing it back. I love that. That's I have nothing even to add to that. That's perfect advice. Routines are so important. I, I feel like people glamorize digital nomading as like, one morning you wake up in the desert and the next morning you wake up by the ocean and, and it can be that for you if you want that. But I think more realistically to run a business, there needs to be some type of schedule and routine in there. I think every human being needs that. Right. And I think people who fail at digital nomading are trying to, you know, go to too many places too quickly. 100 percent. Yeah, because yeah. you can get lost in the hedonism of it all. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you start doing it, if you start traveling every week, it's really easy to lose that routine and then end up somewhere like six months down the road where you didn't think you were going to end up. Oh, and of course, make sure you go to places where there's good Wi-Fi. I, I can't stress <laughs> that enough. That's a really big one. Too. Yeah. That's, do you have a hotspot? 
on your phone? On my phone? Yeah. So for the yeah. U.S., that's great. It works really, really well. Yeah. But for like other places, uh, there's always some way around it, right? So something that I do when I look at Airbnbs is I always shoot a message to the person and I ask him like, what's your Wi-Fi speed like? Yeah. Uh, where's the router located? Is the router located near a place where there's desks and stuff? Like these are oh, the little yeah. things that you have to think about. Yeah. Up, right? And if you're going to get in a camper van, for example, make sure you get like one of those Wi-Fi thingies that you can put on the roof and yeah. work that way. You know, there's different lifestyles, but yeah, I had Quinn who was on. She's a full time digital nomad. I had her on her a few weeks ago and she had such good advice. She said, if you're living in a van, the router thing that you can put on the roof of the van, you should have a different mobile carrier than the hotspot on your phone. So like if one's AT&T, the other one should be Verizon. And then that way, if you hit like a dead zone on one, oh, you don't on the yeah. other. That makes sense. I was That's like, a really wow. good piece of advice. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that. Was, yeah, and I've that was such a good one you just said. I never thought of either. Just message the people and go, hey, like, what is your internet and where is it in the house? I never thought of that. Exactly, because logistically speaking, sometimes the router can be on the opposite yeah. side of where your bedroom is and can really slow down speeds and stuff. And especially if you're on Zoom calls all day, it's yeah. really important. Yeah. yeah. Genius. All right, Omar, for everyone listening, where can they find you to do business with you? Sure. So you can probably just go on nomadscast.com if you're interested in any sort of podcasting or content marketing. And then my email is omar at nomadscast.com. And you can just send me an email there. If you're coming from Alex's podcast, just let me know you're coming from Alex's podcast. Beautiful. Omar, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Alex.